0: Hello, everyone. I'm Jacob Chastain, host of the Teach Me Teacher podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and I'm talking with Karen Gross today. That's right, she's back on the show, and she's here to talk about her latest book. Trauma Doesn't Stop at the School Door Strategies and Solutions for Educators Pre K through College. Published in June of 2020. Lots to learn today. And by the way, if you use the promo code capital T, capital L, capital L, 2020, you can get 15% off the price of the book and free shipping by going to tcpress.com and using the promo code capital T, capital L, capital L, 2020 at checkout. Good stuff, man. Thanks for listening. By the way, don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now, here's Steve with this week's show. Karen Gross is a Washington D.C.-based author and educator, as well as an advisor to nonprofit schools, organizations, and governments. Her work focuses on student success, with a specialization in trauma, its symptomology, and approaches to its amelioration. She has worked with institutions planning for and dealing with person and nature-made. Disasters, including shootings, suicides, immigration detention, family dysfunction, hurricanes, and floods. She currently serves as senior counsel to Finn Partners. She's an instructor in continuing education at Rutgers University Graduate School of Social Work, and also sits on the advisory council at, at the Center for Minority Serving Institutions at, at Rutgers. She is a visiting professor at Bennington College and artist in residence at Molly Stark Elementary School, Vermont. She is award, an award-winning author of Breakaway Learners: Strategies for Postsecondary Success, which was published in 2017 and Failure and Forgiveness, Rebalancing the Bankruptcy System, which was published in 1996. She's also the author of a trauma-sensitive children's book series called Lady Lucy's Quest, which you've heard uh, us talk to her about that on this podcast. And she's read to more than 3,000 children across the globe. Today, we're going to focus on her latest book, Trauma Doesn't Stop at the School Door, Strategies and Solutions for Educators, from Teachers College Press 2020 just came out this June. And by the way, there's a special offer. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, we got a special code and all that good stuff for you to get uh, 15% off plus free shipping on, on our book if you order it. So good stuff. So welcome back, Karen. Say hi to everyone.
1: Hello. Nice to be with you again. Thank you for having me back.
0: Well, it's good to have you back. And, uh, you know, and, and your latest book, let's kind of delve right into it. Uh, It's called Trauma Doesn't Stop at the School Door, Strategies and Solutions for Educators, Pre-K Through College. It was published June 2020. And I know you had this big book launch going on. How'd it go?
1: So we did a Zoom book launch. That has to be um, an unusual event by definition. Um, (laughs) And we actually did a panel of people talking about the book, and then the audience asked questions, and I answered questions. And while it had none of the celebratory food or beverage that one might have at a normal launch, it was well attended, and I think a success. So, I would say the book got off to a very good start.
0: Excellent, excellent. And and let's let's remind everybody about the. Uh, do you want me to remind everybody here about the? the publisher has a special offer for the purchasers, which I just.
1: Sure. Um, the, The book is published by Teachers College Press. And just so people know, that's really a remarkable press for educational books. So I'm delighted that they're printing this book in addition to the earlier one, Breakaway Learners. And those who listen to this podcast at the end, will hear from Steve about a code that can be used to get a 15% 15% discount plus free shipping of the book. And you order it from Columbia Teachers College Press on their website, which is www.tcpress.com.
0: Excellent. Thank you. So I'll make sure that we give you that code at the end. And, uh, and that's cool that they did that. So uh,
1: Yes, so, it's very nice.
0: Very nice. So, so let's talk about your book. And right in the title of your new book is the word, Trauma. So can we talk about what you mean? So when, when Karen thinks about trauma, what is it you're talking about?
1: So you would think there would be a uniform definition <laughs> of trauma, which there isn't. Um, and I'm particularly talking about trauma in the context of education and trauma that students experience that affects their learning and their psychosocial development in the near and in the longer term. So it's important to recognize that what's traumatic for one student may not necessarily be traumatic for another, and they can exhibit very different trauma symptomology. But the point is that there are a lot of events that are occurring, sadly, in our world now, which are traumatic for children and adults, I should add. And so the book is really about the way schools can deal with the educational system can deal with students who experience trauma.
0: I appreciate that. And that's, and it is funny because that's, you know, people can have so many different thoughts about what the word means. And uh, so good stuff with, can you give a, let's, let's kind of get a general overview of uh, trauma doesn't stop at the school door. Who should read it and why?
1: So, the book is intended to have a wide readership, which would include educators from early childhood educators all the way through graduate school educators. And that would include teachers and administrators and staff. It can also be read by parents and guardians, um, particularly if you're doing a lot of homeschooling or online learning with your child or children. Um, But it's a book where the concepts are transportable into other areas. So it could be read by nurses, psychologists, social workers, uh, medical professionals, pediatricians in particular. Um, And so the goal here was to write something that had a specific focus on education but the reality is it can be used by many others
0: excellent thank you and the uh, you know one of the things that um, you know we you know the world that we're in right now because when this is being recorded you know we're in, we're in uh, july we're in the middle of july which of uh, 2020 which means that we're getting close to uh, you know schools are making decisions about whether they're going to open their doors coming up here soon and uh, and this is understanding a little bit about this is so important and you know one of the things that uh, I want to get to is that the timing of your book is amazing anyone has anyone accused you of being able to predict the future or asked you to say could you help me I'm going to Vegas can you help me go figure out which cards I should play or something like that
1: well actually the one who should get all the credit is the um, acquisitions editor at the press who many people have said he must be prescient. I mean, there's no way he could have like had the timing of this book um, the way he did without some sort of insight that the rest of us lacked. Um, But the truth is that there was Trump before the pandemic. There was already trauma and students were struggling. Um, To succeed, there was family disorder, there were school shootings, there were a host of natural disasters. And, And so the book originally was written to help schools deal with those situations. Then along came the pandemic, and thankfully, because of the timing, it got edited to include the pandemic. So things like school closures and School reopenings are things that I've been talking about and they're now referenced in the book. But as if that weren't enough, after the page proofs were in, all the racial tension issues and the huge economic consequences of the pandemic, including joblessness and homelessness and food scarcity, um, came into being. So we have a confluence of traumas that students who are returning to school will have experienced the book gets at most of them and what it doesn't address specifically it can certainly address inferentially and no i can't predict the future <laughs> and in and and, and and it's actually sad that the book was timely before and now it's like Really timely, or whatever one says when it's almost ironically perfect timing.
0: Most definitely, it, it, but I'm sorry to say, I think you had my hopes up there that you could <laughs> predict that future a little bit. So, any, any. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so let's talk a little bit about the trauma that you, you've kind of gone Can into. Can I that mention
1: bit. something about that? Sure. Can I just mention something about predictions? So. A number of people have asked me, um, not, not just because of the timing of the book, but generally speaking, can I predict what will happen in education over the next year, two years, three years? And it struck me that you know most predictions that you make are based on facts and evidence and experience. And even gamblers know that predictions are risky. On a good day, but you do it with the information you have that's ostensibly accurate. And while speculative, you have years of experience to back it up. Well, in this case, you don't have the things that you usually have to make predictions. The environment is totally new. We don't have quality data. The data that we have, I suspect, are incomplete. We've never been in this situation before. So I've decided I'm not predicting anymore. All I'll do is conjecture. And conjecture is what you do when you guess, hopefully in a thoughtful way, but it's guessing without having all the data and recognizing that there could be data that could change the conjecture.
0: That's, that's an awesome uh, um, observation because that's one of the things that I mean like you said we're in a whole new world <laughs> and you know not, not having been here before you know and not having you know people not having experienced it before you have uh, um, because even though we've had situations of crises and different um, experiences with some types of pandemics it's not really it's not been at this type of level I mean you know, I talk, uh-huh. I talked with somebody recently who's in Australia and he was asking me how we're doing. And, you know, he was telling me about his whole family was there together in the, in their house. And, uh, and I, I kind of forget that, you know, yes, the rest of the world is dealing with this too. It's not, <laughs> it's not just isolated to my place in Georgia. So it's pretty wild. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure that we, uh, Get into because and with that, I mean that that kind of hampers what an adult can talk with a kid about, a child about, as well as because they're going to have their own issues, and, then, and so that kind of leads me to where I wanted to go, with the, which is, you know, some of the the traumas that the kids are going to be experiencing right now, which I'm very thankful, and I don't, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but I'm very thankful that we've. The, the makers and producers and the, the suppliers of the toilet paper and paper products have figured that one out now. So we got that back in the shelves because I can imagine trying to start school thinking that we may not have any of that stuff. But it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing where, you know, just supplies like that, if the supplies are not there, you know, what that might, a child might be feeling in their life about uh, um, at least being able to go to the place where they might be able to get the, the food, the breakfast and the lunch. One of the things that I want to do is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different traumas that a kid might be, a child might be experiencing right now. You know, what can a school and a staff do to be aware and to start addressing this?
1: So I, the book is actually divided into three pieces, and that's Wrinkles, by the way, um, from the story that you read um, and that we've talked about. So he's adding in his thoughts on trauma. We appreciate um, it. Thank you, Wrinkles. He has funny. To say about the topic. Uh, Actually, you know, pets feel all of this too. Um, The book is divided into three parts. The first part is called Naming, the second part is called Taming, and the third part is called Framing. Because the first thing you have to do is recognize trauma symptomology. And sadly, many educators have not been trained to identify. The symptoms of trauma when they show up in students, and, and often sadly they ascribe it to other things. So the first thing is you have to identify that what a student is doing or how they're behaving or their lack of engagement um, are the result of a trauma. Then you have to figure out ways to tame that behavior. In other words, ways to ameliorate the trauma, And then once you've done that, you have to realize the significance of doing this, frame it, like put it on a frame and hold it front and center, but also frame as an architecture frame. Because if you don't do this, learning and psychosocial development will be impaired. And so this is very critical in terms of the need to do this. Otherwise, learning and psychosocial development will not happen as they should if you are traumatized you have serious issues that stand in the way of cognition and psychosocial development trauma literally changes your brain and your body and so we have to find ways to address it and by the way ignoring it just pretending like oh it doesn't exist let's you know like where were we before we were so rudely interrupted when we closed school no that that's not the right approach the right approach is to find thoughtful and actually well researched approaches to dealing with trauma
0: excellent i appreciate you sharing that the uh one of the things that uh you know, that I, I think that we have to think about, because I think that whole ignoring it is is important because it's easy for somebody just to just say, L- I like what you said, you know, okay. You, when we last were together, we were talking about, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't think so. Um, we, we've got to, uh, you know, they, they're they definitely got to have some thoughts about this, you know? And one of the things that uh, I, I think one of the groups that we may be forgetting about is not necessarily, you know, The kids, but we may not be thinking about the adults. So how about teachers and administrators? I I know we're kind of focused on the kids, but doesn't the staff have some issues that may be hidden as well?
1: Yes, actually. So let me raise two issues about, first of all, the staff coming back had themselves during this, what I call COVID gap, experienced probably some form of trauma. Um, It would be surprising if they did not. And so they have that to deal with, whether that's older parents or they themselves are older or their family members or their friends, the social isolation, the mask wearing, which carries all sorts of thoughts with respect to doing it, um, to the non gathering together, to the non engagement. So when the teachers and administrators then go back to school, they are not only dealing with their own primary trauma. But when they're dealing with the students, they're dealing then with secondary trauma because the student's primary trauma actually is kind of like a virus. You can catch it. So teachers who are dealing with deeply traumatized kids, even mildly traumatized kids, start to experience that trauma too. So you have teachers then with both primary and secondary trauma. So they have to deal first with the primary trauma of themselves, then they have to deal with the primary trauma of the students, and then they have to deal with their own secondary trauma. Not easy, is it?
0: Not at all. Not at all. You know, it's it's funny because I've noticed even with my own behaviors that when I get the opportunity to be in an in-person meeting where we're, you know, we're social distancing and we're apart from each other and we entered the building with masks on or whatever. It's still, there's, it's energy that it builds in me because I'm finally in the same place with somebody else. And instead of just looking on a computer and, and I I can see where, you know, that, that in just itself would, should kind of be, like the little red lights going off in your brain saying, yeah, you've you've got some things going on in your brain that's saying uh, it doesn't like what we've had to do. And I I think um, we can't ignore it in adults either. I guess is my point. I imagine what a lot of schools bring their, their staff as they do try to open together, that there's going to be a lot of that with the adults going, feeling like they've been away on a trip to Siberia or something for a long time. Well, let me
1: add another feature that's actually pretty sad. Um, So, one of the things that's happened here is discontinuity, right? So, school started, then school stopped. And one other thing that people don't want to talk about is that children may return to school to not only find some of their peers not there, but some of their teachers not there or administrators because they've moved or they've retired or they've gotten ill and passed away. In fact, I was reading about a school in England where the co-head was saying that they had lost 23 teachers. And he was reflecting on how do you restart school and deal with those issues? So, I just raised that because I I don't know from your listeners whether they will be in schools where some of the teachers may not be returning for one reason or another. And that adds to the complexity of how you restart and how do you deal with those deaths that happened in that gap period, the COVID gap period.
0: Oh, well, I can imagine there's, you know, and I, I know the schools that I work with, the kids will return to find some of them not there. Um, you know, and many of the communities that I'm near and work with are small communities. So they're going to already know before they even return to the building in itself can create some interesting problems there.
1: So I'm going to talk and walk.
0: Okay. It works. It works. Always good.
1: <laughs> okay. I even have a mask. So hopefully you can hear me.
0: So, you know, so we were talking a little bit about, uh, um, you know, being aware that it wasn't just the the kids, that also the adults were uh, um, have different uh, trauma going on that they're dealing with. And, you know, one of the things might be whether, you know, like the uncertainty... uh, of uh, returning to the classroom, uh, if they, you know, if they should be afraid themselves, if they, uh, you know, uh, what what's going to happen when I come back to school? Am I going you know, to, am I going to be able to help the kids deal with what's going on? I mean, what do you what do you think about all all of just some of the many numbers of things that just going through the adults' heads?
1: So I think uncertainty is one of the most um, complicated issues at the moment because there actually are no answers to many of the questions that people will ask. So we don't have enough information really, and the information keeps changing, and we're used to problems where at least we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and now we don't even know how long the tunnel is, let alone where the light is at the end. And I think for teachers, this is particularly frustrating because what they don't know is how safe are they? And how safe will they be say in September, October, November? And as much as people want answers now, the problem is those answers could change in a week, in a month, in two months. And so the level of uncertainty for students and teachers to pretend it's everything's just back to normal and well, but things might not go exactly as planned. And as much as we like plans and structure and stability, um, we're going to have to be a little more nimble and flexible now as we adjust to an environment that's totally different.
0: Ex- excellent point, because that's, you know, it is, it's such an unknown and it's such a, not sure where, where we're going and, you know, what's, we know where we want to go.
1: <laughs> One of the interesting things for me is that reasonable people can have very different interpretations of how to deal with this situation. And whether schools should or shouldn't reopen or whether they should be hybrid or whether the younger kids should go or the older kids should go. I mean, reasonable people can disagree. And so, in that sense, there's an added difficulty that people are bringing their own history, their own expectations, their own fears, their own concerns, and that makes this all the harder.
0: One of the concepts that you introduce is the trauma toolbox. Can you explain what that is and, and what it what it looks like and how it's used?
1: Sure. Um, and the trauma toolbox is a, is a really important tool, figuratively and literally, So there is the creation of a a toolbox that contains a number of things in it that the user can use to lower their autonomic nervous system and their response to trauma. And so in that sense, it's a toolbox for helping people deal with trauma. It's a trauma responsive toolbox. And um, it's about half the size of a shoebox. And I'll talk in a minute about what goes in it. The ones that I have used have actually said on the top, they are trauma responsive toolboxes, or at least I've mentioned that that's what they are. And the advantage of that is that people who open them, or even if you just have it sitting there, know that there is something out there that can help them. And just knowing that someone has acknowledged the trauma is in and of itself helpful. And then the fact that you can use what's in there and uncover what's in there and play with what's in there also creates a psychological state of enjoyment and pleasure that helps your brain reconfigure itself so it can start to shift off the trauma and focus on opening neural pathways to learning and development. So what goes in this toolbox? So it can vary, certainly depending on the age and stage of the person who's using the toolbox. And by the way, schools could create them for every student and leave one on every student's desk. Schools could give students a box and then an array of items that students could pick which ones they wanted to put in their toolbox. There are lots of ways that we can do this effectively. Colleges could have these in the dorm rooms of every returning student or could send them to every student. In the box is what should enable you to start using your senses. So there's a small whistle or musical instrument, tiny, makes a noise with either marker feathers so that you can trace your hand or rub them over your wrist or on your neck. There is, um, a construction toy, uh, like pieces of Lego or pieces of Playmobil, so that you can see the value of putting things together. They also contain an individually wrapped lifesaver. Um, and the name lifesaver has relevance here. That <laughs> It's not just something you can eat, but it has a meaning that hopefully people can pick up on. So the last thing in the toolbox, in addition to probably a worry doll to whom you can give your worries or some other figure to whom you can have or with whom you can have a pretend conversation, is a ceramic or stone little circle that you can rub between your index finger and your thumb that has a word on it. And it could be any word that's positive, a word like uh, joy or a word like dream. The word I've chosen in the trauma toolboxes that I've created is the word hope. And the reason actually has to do with the original mythology surrounding Pandora's box and its opening. So Pandora opened the box and out flew all the evil spirits. And everybody then talks about, subsequent to that, how when you have bad things happen and you open that box of feelings, all sorts of things spill out. But what people don't remember is that at the bottom of Pandora's box, there is something that never left that box, and that's hope. And I hope... That the trauma toolbox will give people hope, not only that they can feel better in the short term, but that they can learn and process and think about a better future.
0: That's, that's awesome. That's, uh, you know, and, it, and you're right. I had forgotten that part about the, the story of Pandora's box also. You always think about everything coming out and all the problems happening, but you forget that that's there. That, right. Uh, that's awesome. I, I like that, and I, and I appreciate you explaining that because I, I thought it was cool. Because it's not just a, this is you know, the first thing that people are going to think is that oh you're talking about a you know metaphor that it's you know it's and uh um it's not not a necessarily not a, a real box that has stuff in it that you could take out and uh, help you deal with the, your the situations. And I like yes, that. yes,
1: and you have to fit it all back in, so that's part <laughs> of the task too. You take things out and then you put them back in. So the whole idea of it is to make it an engaging and interactive activity that you could do alone or you could do with other people. You could create, by the way, lots of stories around your toolbox and what's in it. You could share it. You could carry it in your backpack. You can keep it on your desk. So there are lots of things to do with the physical toolbox and its use.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. It's so and cool. I have
1: some pictures, by the way, of pieces of things that are in a toolbox, which I can send to you. I don't know if you can use them somehow.
0: Definitely. But I'm Definitely.
1: happy to do that so that people get a better sense of what the toolbox looks like.
0: Definitely. That'd be awesome. I'll put them in the show notes. Okay. Please. I'll put them in the show notes Then that'd be great. Okay. Excellent. So, so let's talk about this. What advice would you give to a school or school system administrator about helping their staff be aware and address the trauma issues their kids are dealing with?
1: Um, I think the first piece of advice that I would give them is be aware and listen and watch. I think teachers and administrators will start seeing student behaviors that they may not be used to or may not be used to in particular kids. And I I think that rather than doing what often sadly happens, which is saying, oh, this child is acting out, classroom management is a really hard issue right now. It's to ask this question, what happened? To this child in the COVID gap. And if you actually ask that question and then ask questions of the students who are acting out, they may be willing to share some of the feelings that they're having or the concerns that they have. So. Attentiveness to student feelings would be my best recommendation and non judgmental evaluation of those.
0: Excellent advice. Love that. The, uh, you know, Karen, you do talks and training with schools and school systems. And what could someone expect from you as a trainer on trauma and trauma related issues? <laughs>
1: they can expect that I actually will be authentic. And genuine. First of all, I myself have been traumatized. I've led institutions that have experienced trauma. So I hope that what I say um, not only comes from a an intellectually rich base, but also comes from in the trenches experiences, both personal and professional. And you know, it's interesting. I, I went to do a training on a reservation, and there was a college there and the evening before some members of the faculty said you know what what makes you equipped to talk about the trauma we're experiencing here on this reservation and i said first of all that's a really legitimate question because if you don't trust me then this kind of training is very difficult but here's what i would tell you watch Listen to what I have to say, and during the day tomorrow, I'll come ask you how I'm doing. Because let's see if you have a sense that what I'm saying comes from a place that while I am not a Native American, is respectful, appreciative, and understanding of where you all are coming from. And so the next day, as the session was continuing, Maybe three hours in, I turned to those professors and I said, So, how am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And they said, Oh, I get it. I get it. It's absolutely genuine. So, that's what I bring authenticity.
0: Excellent. Yeah, if someone, as we're drawing to a close, if someone wanted to find out more and connect with you, where would you send them? And could you remind everybody about the purchasing of your latest book, Trauma Doesn't Stop at the School Door, Strategies and Solutions for Educators, Pre-K through College?
1: Sure. I have a website. It's www.karengrosseducation, all one word, dot com. And there's information there about the book and there's information about how to get in touch with me, and I would welcome that. Um, and Teachers College Press, which is the publisher, um, is giving a 15%, I wish it were 50, by the way, but no, 15% discount on the book and free shipping to anyone who uses the code that you provide along with this podcast um, to make the book more affordable for people and By the way, the book comes as a paperback. Um, It also comes as an e-book. So whatever is one's favorite way of reading. And here's my hope. My hope is that this book helps the reader not only understand children better, but have strategies, concrete strategies, that they can use to ameliorate the trauma children are experiencing. And then we can have greater student success both in terms of learning and psychosocially.
0: Excellent. I love it. The uh, And just to remind everybody, the special offer, um, the code that you use is capital T, capital L, capital L. So that stands for Teaching, Learning, Leading. <laughs> Recognize that, huh? So it's capital T, capital L, capital L, 2020. So it's TLL2020. And it's case sensitive. So use capital letters, capital T, capital L, capital L teaching, learning, leading. Remember that those three letters and the, in the year 2020 for 15% off plus free shipping on Karen's book at tcpress.com. So, uh, um, it, you, know, you can reach out to me with an email if you't uh, if you didn't get that, and I'll make sure that I have it. It'll also be in the show notes where you can see it and I'll remind you about it in my closing so uh, so Karen, last two questions I have go like this: um, how do you deal how do you personally deal with situations when things seem overwhelming and you might want to quit?
1: <laughs> uh, that's a good question um, There's a term for that vicarious trauma um When you've just had too much, um, I, I think the best thing that one can do is find what gives you peace and do some self reflection by oneself. And for some people, it's drawing. For some people, it's writing. For some people, it's fishing. For some people, it's looking at the ocean. For some people, it's yoga or meditating. But I think you have to do some self care because if you can't take care of yourself, you most assuredly cannot help
0: others. Excellent. I love that. The uh, last question, if you were given the opportunity to talk with a school faculty just before the first day of school when the kids arrive, whenever that might be coming up, (laughs) um, what is one bit of advice you would want them to remember?
1: I would want the teachers to remember not to start with learning and opening a textbook or a math assignment, um, I would start by getting students to use their senses. I might, um, after mentioning it's nice to have you back and I've missed all of you um, and I look forward to the time we're spending together, I might say, let's start out with a fun exercise. Like, can you balance on one leg for 30 seconds? Let's see if we can do it. And now let's balance on the other leg for 30 seconds. And now let's close our eyes and try to balance on one leg. And oh, wow, that's way more difficult. And why do you think that is? And let's try it again. So I would do any number of exercises like that in an effort to get everybody on the same page as opposed to just launching in. That would be my advice.
0: I love that. That's awesome. because I, You start connecting with the kids and building those relationships and kind of getting them into the swing of things. That's, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, Karen, thank you so much for taking time to share your latest book with us. It's just remind everybody it's called trauma doesn't stop at the school door strategies and solutions for educators pre-k through college. And, and Your your concept of the trauma toolbox is such an excellent idea, and I love the fact that it's a real box with stuff in it that you pack, you unpack, and pack back in there. And uh, the book is perfect for the here and now. I can't thank you enough, and I want to remind all the listeners that uh, remember the special offer. You go to tcpress.com and you use the special code capital T capital L capital L 2020 for 15% off. Plus free shipping on Karen's latest book, Trauma Doesn't Stop at the School Door. Uh, Can't thank you enough, Karen. Wish you the best.
1: My pleasure. Nice to be with you again. And by the way, if your listeners have questions, I'm more than happy to answer them so they can send them to you and you and I can figure out a way to get the answers back out.
0: Excellent. So, um, so, Karen, I appreciate you offering that. And so, everyone, just send your questions. If you have some questions for Karen, send them to me at StephenMaletto at gmail.com. That's StephenMaletto at gmail.com. No dot or anything in between the two words. <laughs> and uh, and just ask me your questions and, and put in the subject line questions for Karen, and uh, we'll get them to her. Okay. Good stuff.
1: Nice to be with you again and your listeners.
0: Teaching, Learning, Leading K 12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio.